The scripture comes from Philippians chapter 1, a single verse. Listen still for the word of God. Paul says, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O oh, gracious and all-wise God, O oh God, we have gathered again, Lord God, by your grace and your mercy. We know that it was not an alarm clock that woke us up this morning, but your hand of mercy, O oh God. And we thank you. We thank you for the mind to come to worship. We thank you for the willingness to, to turn the computer or the phone on so that we might watch online. And we thank you, God, for the grace that goes before so that others will watch us on delay. We pray, O oh God, whenever we watch, however we watch, Lord God, that we really hear a word. Help me to preach and your people to deeply hear. May it resonate in their hearts. May the word convict and challenge you, God. May it lead and direct so that we might not just be hearers of your word, but doers thereof. That we might go out into the world so that your name might be praised, your son glorified, and your kingdom on earth advanced. We pray this and every prayer in the sweet, sweet name of the living God, your son, our savior. And his name is Jesus, and it is marvelous to our ears. Amen? Amen. amen and amen. Well, the thought for the day printed on the bulletin and on everything else is the message in the mess. Well, friends, this is our final message in this Lenten series and it is no accident that we are concluding this series on Palm Sunday. We began this series by acknowledging the truth of all of our lives is that we, our relationships, our behaviors, our thinking, our motivation, and our living are a mess. And some of us can truly claim the mantle of being a hot mess. And I mean all of us. I don't care who you are, how many degrees you have, how much money you have, that's right, we're all messy. I mean, it's not that we want to be a mess, it's not that we plan to make a mess, or that we want to mess up the lives of others. It's just that because of sin, we do and we are a mess. And I bet some of us are thinking that we are not that bad. Or that we are not as messed up as others. You know how we do? Well, I'm bad. I got, my, I got my issues. I got my problems. But I'm not as bad as her. I'm not as bad as the crack addict. I'm not as bad as that homeless person. I'm not as bad as that felon. You know how we do. We try and say that about others. But that right there is messed up thinking. That's just what the Pharisee did. Remember in our first sermon, he goes up to the temple. He's supposed to be praying to the Lord, amen? He should be ad, uh, acknowledging and adoring the Lord. But he is standing up there saying, Lord, I ain't like that tax collector over there. I fast, I give, I, I, I. He is praying about himself to God. But if 
have the courage and if we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit to tell ourselves the truth, to see our real selves, to confess how we really are, y'all, then we know that we are not all of what we want or hope to be. And we are certainly not all that God has created and calls us to be. Think of that scripture from Matthew again, right? The teachers of the law come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus looks at them as if they don't have common sense and says, you know the truth. You shall love the Lord God with everything you got, with your mind, your soul, your spirit, your strength, and you shall love your neighbor like that. And I'm here to tell us, a lot of us ain't loving God like that, are we? Can't see you in Bible study, so you're not giving God your mind. Are you loving God with everything you have in you and your neighbor as yourself? Are we really living and loving like that all the time with everybody, even our enemies? But we try, don't we? We try to be good. We try to do the right thing. We try to deal with, we try to live with, we try to manage the mess that we are, the messes that we make, but our efforts just never seem to last very long. Sooner or later, somebody going to run across you and you're going to run up. You know how you we do. It just never seems to last. But it, we just never seem to be enough. None of our efforts ever seem to be enough, to be good enough. But our God is more than enough. Our God is more than able, and God wants so much more for us. God knows the mess that we are and the messes that we are in, the messes that we make, the message we pass on to others. And God wants more for us than to, than to just help us keep the mess tidy. God wants more for us than to have less mess. To tidy up or to cover up our messes, to keep our messes at bay. You see, God wants to redeem us from the mess. God wants to redeem us from our old life. And we know what our old life is like. One day we good, one day we not. One day we up, one day we down. One day we got a positive good word, another day we mad at the world. You know how we do. One minute we smiling at you, the next minute we telling you everything about you. And what we don't like. One minute we have peace, the next minute we're trying to give you a piece of our mind. You know how we live. How we tell little lies. You know, what's a little lie? A white lie. I never liked that because I won't know why the bad lie got to be black. I never liked that, okay? I didn't know lies had colors or sizes. But that's our mess, right? When we say things like that, we're trying to get out of our mess. God wants to give us a new life. 
It is God's desire that we have nothing short of a transformed life, abundant life, a life where we are so formed in the love of Christ that sin no longer has the power to bring its mess to our doors and we are able to respond to all situations, all circumstances, all people in the same way as Christ. That is the life that God wants us to live. And y'all, in order to live this new life, we have got to stop messing around in our old lives. We have got to stop limping between two opinions. We got to make up our minds. Either we're going to follow Christ or we're not. And we have got to stop being okay with the mess. You know how people say, well, that's just the way I am. Years ago, there was a little conflict with a, with a member at a, one of my previous appointments. And, you know, when somebody calls you a demon, that's serious. You're like, really? And I laughed. Okay, because I'm thinking if you calling me a demon, I might be doing all right. Okay, because you obviously ain't seen a mirror lately. And so one of the people came to my office and said, well, you know, because this person was rude. Not just to me. Their kind of behavior, kind of, you know, you're like, you a Christian? It was so bad one time that a clergy colleague called and said that this member had been at a community event and was like, girl, you might want, not want to let him know, let people know he go to your church. That's a, yes. And this lady says, well, well, that's just the way he is. I looked at her and I said, okay, but is that the way God wants him to be? And she had a shocked look. Because no, God don't want you to be giving everybody a piece of your mind. God don't want you to always act like you know everything. God don't want you to always talk down to people. God don't want that. That is not what God, God says. You should love the Lord God with everything you got. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're going to love other people, you don't need to get other people told. That ain't your job. God did not create you to get somebody told. That's just the way I am. But are you the way God wants you to be all the time? We have got to stop being okay with the mess that we are. And we got to stop asking God to just bless our mess. Well, God just love me just the way I am. I know we like to sing that song. You know, I don't hardly have that song played after I preach. And just as I am without one plea. Don't you play that song? God wants you to not just be just as you are. Yes, you need to have a plea and a prayer, but it needs to be the prayer to Lord, help me. Lord, save me from me. And we've got to stop thinking that we can change on our own. How many people, you know, go on a diet, right? They lose a lot of weight. Okay. And then a little bit, by a little bit, by a little bit. And then a lot, they put it all back on. Plus 10 pounds, right? Because they didn't change. You can't change one thing and expect total transformation. You got to change it all. And that's the change that's hard. 
In order to live this life that God wants to live in and through us, we must experience, undergo spiritual rebirth. It is what Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you cannot live the life in the spirit in the flesh. You must be born again. You must be born again by water and the spirit. It's got to be a total redirection of your life. And to do this, we must make our whole selves available to the grace and love of God. All of us. All of us. All of us. Our minds, our hearts, our mouths, everything. Our time, our talents, our gifts, our service, all of us. We must give our whole lives, our whole selves, everything that we got over to the transformative power of God. We have to give our whole selves over to the one who knows how to change people. Ask Saul. Ask Peter. You and I all know people that when we, how they used to be and they are totally different Only God can do that. That's right, y'all. We have got to surrender our lives to the only one who can give us the life that we want. Who can only, who can give us the life that we need. A new life. A life beyond the mess. A life that pleases God. A life that can fulfill the purposes of God in the world. A life that blesses others. And a life that reflects the image of God. Not you, not me, but the image of God. I know that there are times when we think that there is no hope. That we are on this little treadmill around and around and again and and we're trying so hard to get off of it. I know that there are times when we think that those we love just can't change. They've always been that way. They've always been on crack. They've always been sick. They've always done this. I know there are times that we think things can't get any better. That life will always be a mess. Messy. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by the mess sometimes. The mess that you are. The mess that you're in. The mess that you make. The mess that was passed on to you by your families. Or you even look at the world around you and say it's just a mess. And it will never get any better. But on this Palm Sunday, what I want us all to know is that there is a message in the mess. And that message is that we are not alone. Thanks be to God. God has not abandoned us to the mess that we make or the mess that we are. Because Jesus entered into our situation on that Palm Sunday. Jesus rolled down into our mess. He didn't shy away from it, but he went right into the midst of it and did it to save us out of it. Jesus knew that there would be a price to pay for our redemption. Jesus knew that there was a price to pay for our reconciliation. Jesus knew that there was a price to pay for our salvation. And so he rode into Jerusalem. And as he rode into Jerusalem for our sakes and for the sake of the whole messed up world, the crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And y'all, their shouts were not so much a cheer as it was a prayer. 
Lord, help us, please. Lord, help us now. And haven't we heard, haven't we prayed that prayer? Haven't we prayed that prayer when we looked at the mess in our lives? Haven't you and I prayed that prayer when we looked at the mess a loved one has made of their lives? Of the mess that our world is in today. In the face of all that is messed up in our lives, in our communities, in our churches, and our world, know that Jesus was and is committed to our redemption, not just a little, not in part, but the whole, all of us, everybody. Jesus is committed to our being fully restored and not just for eternal life. Salvation isn't just for eternal life, but know that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, that Jesus walked that walk to Calvary's cross so that we might have new life here and now, right this minute. That's what God offers us. That's what God wants for us. That's what Jesus rode into Jerusalem for, for us, for us to have new life now, not a patched up, messed up life, not an I life, not a I'm not that bad life, but a new life, a transformed life, a life where we could become completely kind, not kind when you catch me on the right day but completely kind, completely forgiven. I'll forgive some, but I ain't going to forgive it all. Completely at peace. Don't you want to live a life like that? Don't you? Don't you want to live a life where we are defined, directed, motivated, and moved by love? Don't you want to live a life like that? Well, what somebody does doesn't bother you. You're so motivated by love that you're going to pray for them. Don't you want to live like that? Imagine what our church would be like. Don't you want to live so that people, when people see us, that they see the very image of God? They don't see you. They see God. And y'all, I believe that's what draws people. That life, a life full of full sanctification, that life of being perfected in love by the grace of God, believe it or not, believe it, that life is possible. It's not only what Jesus died for, but y'all, it's what he got up for. And that's what we celebrate on Sunday. I want you to imagine what it will be like to be whole, to not live your life in pieces. I want you to imagine what it would be like to live a life beyond the mistakes of the past. You're always feeling bad about it. God, God's not trying to guilt you. God is trying to grace you. Imagine what it would be like to live without the brokenness and the mess that sin causes to live a restored life with God and with others. Imagine a life without regrets. A life without fear. 
a couple of months ago, we, I showed you on the screen those cardboard testimonies where people held up signs that said, I was an adulterer, I was an addict. They should have said all of that, and they flipped the sign. How could they? They had no more fear. They didn't care what you or anybody else thought because they knew that they were experiencing new life. They had no more regrets because they were walking in the newness of life. They had been transformed so they could tell you what they used to be because now they were transformed. They were walking and following faithfully and lovingly God. So no fear. Years ago at my home church, I forgot what the service was, but it was like a testimony time. And, and Dolores Frazier couldn't wait to get up to testify and talk about what the Lord has done. Dolores talked about it. Man, I got up and I said, let me tell you about how I struggle with this. I'm just like, thanks be to God. And then you could see that there were people who wanted, but they were so concerned about what everybody else thought about them. They've been perpetrating so long, like they had it together. But here's a kicker. We all knew they weren't, didn't have it together. You think your stuff on that's hidden is really not. Imagine a life of blessed assurance. A life where in spite of our circumstances, we trust in God's love for us and believe in God's future. Even if my eyes can't see it, I can trust in the heart of, in the heart of God. When I can't see God's hand, I trust God's heart. That's what's possible, y'all. That's what God wants for all of us, not just some of us. And that's what Jesus' ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That's what he walked to, to his passion on that Thursday night, Good Friday. That's what that ride made possible. I know some of us might be thinking that this is an impossible dream. But others have lived that life and made a world of difference. Haven't you ever wondered how Martin Luther King could stand up and say, I, have, I, have, I may not get there with you, but it's all right. Because I have seen. Because he'd been walking, growing, and he didn't start out like that. You read his stuff, he'll tell you. When he would have to call Mahalia Jackson and say, Mahalia, just sing to me, just sing to me. Let the sanctifying grace of God to love people go spit on you. I got to admit, that's some love right there. But to love people to that extent means that you got to love God. There are people, he can say, I can, I got, I'm at peace. Yeah, I want long life, but it's all right because I'm trusting in God. Full sanctification, that's right. I know you look at Mother Teresa, you look at and you say, those are special people. No, they just is God's people. They're just following Christ. They're just living and loving the way that Jesus, and no, transformation, learning to love like that is a process. You just don't come out fully whole. But you, you know, you're as special as everybody else. You look back over your life. You look. There'll be somebody that you will have known who you can't. They just loved you. They just loved other people. They just loved the Lord. And you know somebody like that. I don't know who it was in your life. For my life, it was my Aunt Louise. 
my great aunt. People used to say in our neighborhood that we grew up, she said, they would tell, well, if Miss Louise had, we had. If she had coal, we had coal. If she had food, we had food. That's what people would just tell us long after she had gone. I used to wonder, who would love me like that? She was just, she got Alzheimer's, and because she'd been this great neighbor, she would sometimes get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, she would go knock on people's houses, and this is her whole street, and they would just come and sit with her until my aunt came. Nobody was angry. But years of loving people. At her homegoing service on the testimony of her life, a witness, one lady stood up and gave a witness of her life. Three people accepted Christ and she was dead. Because all people could say was how much she loved. That's what it is, y'all. Gotta love God with everything you have. And that Philippians text reminds us that God who began a good work in you will stay with you. If you stay with God. Amen. 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 And amen.